0: Welcome to Library Fugitives, a support group for people who get lost in the stacks. I'm Molly. And I'm Lindsay. And every episode, we let the Encyclopedia pick our books. Last episode, the Encyclopedia chose the topic I forgot about it. I will be talking
1: about a book called The Incredible Adventures of Cinnamon Girl by Melissa Keel. What? You heard me. The Incredible Adventures of Cinnamon Girl.
0: And now's the part where you do your book. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Define Normal by Julianne Peters. <laughs> so Lindsay is in incredible pain today. So take yep. this, review, this review with a grain of salt, if you would.
1: The review itself will be flawless. My delivery, we'll see. Anyways.
0: Um <laughs> <laughs> and I have Halloween makeup all over my face because Halloween is two days away.
1: Yeah. Uh, when we were recording this, so
0: it's just, we're we're a hot
1: mess today, but we are going to keep trucking. Yes. Anyways,
0: (laughs) The Incredible
1: Adventures of Cinnamon Girl. This book is a win on several fronts. One, we have a plus-size main character. Nice. Two, constant references to comic books. Three, awesome art at the beginning of every chapter and more that we're going to get into in the main review. But... Uh, actually, I kind of want to start with a little bit how the book came into my life, because it plays into how, you know, I forgot mm-hmm. about it. So, if anyone listening has been paying attention to the tidbits about my teenage life, I was very awkward and far less comfortable with my natural chaos than I am now. <laughs> um, like, I tried to hide it, and now I'm like, it's a, you
0: just embrace the chaos. You,
1: you get what you get. That's it. Um in high school, I would spend my lunch and end-of-day free period in the library, and I practically became best friends with the librarian. So shout out Miss Young uh, from my high school. If you found this somehow and you know who you are, you're the bomb. I still, I still love all the memories I made in the library. Aww. Anyways, like the good little nerd I was, I would make sure to do my homework first. <laughs> Afterwards, I often found myself looking for another way to fill the time. This is how I read the To All the Boys I've Loved Before book, which was before the second book even came out, let alone the Netflix adaptations. So I'm becoming that person. I read it before it was cool. Oh, God. Anyways. (laughs) uh, (laughs) And that is also how one day I was meandering through the bookshelves when I found The Incredible Adventures of Cinnamon Girl. And I read it literally three times during my junior year. I got it for Christmas my senior year and promptly forgot about it during college. Uh, It sat on my shelf for years until this category came up on the Encyclopedia last episode. And I started going book by book on my shelves. And uh, then this book hit me. Well, I accidentally kind of dropped it on my foot, actually. Um, (laughs) Lindsay! Okay, I... We know I'm a hot mess, hence the laying on the floor in pain as I'm talking. But the book fit perfectly. Uh, With my little rambling, pain-filled introduction kind of out of the way, this (laughs) book actually has a really cool premise. Sarah Jane Albany, mostly known as Alba, has grown up in a small town in Australia her whole life. She has a small circle of friends that has shrunk and grown several times over the years, and life is comfortingly familiar, even with the looming fear of the future post-graduation. But then, a wannabe famous YouTuber predicts that the world will end on... This certain date in the book, and I swear to you, I had it written down right here in my notes to put insert date, and I don't have it. So... That's okay. That's fun. Um, But he's like, the world's going to end on this day. And then he provides coordinates for the only safe location during this supposed apocalypse, which just so happens to be Alba's little hometown. Hmm. This news brings people from all over the world flooding into Eden Valley, including some familiar faces from the past. So obligatory spoiler warning before we move forward. Um, like the rest of this will have spoiler for different plot points. So if that's not your vibe, don't worry about it. I'm going to start us off with an excerpt from the prologue. If I were to start this story with the most important detail of all, it would probably be something about the end of the world. But honestly, at this point, the apocalypse and whatnot is just a passing footnote. My story, my perfect paused moment begins much earlier than that. It begins with a house and it begins with two boys. Now, I know what you're thinking, Mm. a love triangle? Lindsay, I thought you had more taste than that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'd say that that is a hurtful statement to the truly wonderful love triangles and the people that do enjoy reading them, which my teenage self definitely did. Uh, But don't worry, the love angle is not the sole focus of this story. So if that's not your thing, there are plenty of other facts and aspects about the story to enjoy. The impending apocalypse, for one, I mean, who doesn't love a good apocalypse story? When a no-account YouTuber named Original Ned Zebediah, as if that name didn't sound as fake and grandiose (laughs) as all fucking get out. Yeah, Ned Zebediah. Original Ned Zebediah. Wow. Wow. Um, he declares the end is nigh and names their town of Eden Valley in Australia to be the only safe place when the dust settles. And his views are pretty low when Alba and her best friend Grady watch the video. But they surprisingly tick up a few dozen. uh, And you think, oh, they're going to start talking about it. It's going to be a plot point. But then Alba really forgets about it and gets caught up working in her mother's little bakery cafe thing. So you're like, Okay, I guess that's going to be a ticking Chekhov's gun under the table. It's fun. Um, (laughs) Her memory's obscurity is also helped by the approaching holidays and watching Trashy TV with her friends. Trashy TV starring one of her childhood best friends who moved away and now plays a brooding doctor on Australian soap operas. This character is 18 years old and he's playing a doctor on TV. On a soap opera, no less. On an Australian soap opera. And if you've seen those things, oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. They are... The only thing crazier is Indian soap operas. Oh my gosh. K-dramas can get kind of crazy, too. Yeah. All, literally soap operas of every kind, just so wild. So if that tells you anything about this character up front... It's probably kind of accurate, to be fair. (laughs) Reeling the tangent back in. Yes. But it's good because it sets up the way it's not really a love triangle because he's not really an option because of you know who he is. Uh it starts seeming a little bit less fleeting, the idea of the apocalypse when Eden Valley trends on Twitter. An original Ned's video has jumped from 89 views to nearly 20,000 views practically Jeez. overnight. Now, I know there's been a lot bigger viral videos, but for something like this, for people in a small town that's never been heard of by literally anyone outside of the area, that's pretty fucking huge. Yeah. There's news articles and hippies trickling into the valley in their vans and RVs because, you know, gentrification going to happen. Uh <laughs> they only gather it only really gathers more traction with time. You think, "Oh, it's going to die out. It's like going to be an initial spur and then people are just going to stop and go and it's fine." But no, it gathers steam. Alba is in her yard with Grady and another friend Tia when a motorcycle revs and she freezes. Tia goes to take care of the noise while Grady hovers around Alba, who assures them that she's fine even if she has to shove away unpleasant memories. Did I forget that her father uh, died in a motorcycle-related accident? You did forget
0: to mention this, yes.
1: Yeah, um, big bummer. Anyway, um, <laughs> along with the food truck hippies, the motorcyclist, and a man riding a literal old-time penny-farthing big-wheel bike. I'm not fucking kidding. <laughs> they call him Penny Farthing Man um we see the return of alba and grady's childhood best friend daniel you know the hot one that's acting as a doctor at 18 years old he doesn't really recognize them right even worse because like doogie hauser like was a teenager but like this guy is a teenager pretending to be an adult and it's bonkers Daniel doesn't recognize them at first, also, which is super fucking hurtful. That's rude. Uh, But he immediately starts flirting with Alba when he does recognize her. So that's a little weird. Um, Half of the time, he's this unsure kid. And the other half, he's trying out lines that also manage to backhand compliment her about wearing makeup and insinuating it's for male attention. Fuck you dude. That's a great idea, man. That's gonna work so well for you, you're oh. gonna get all the ass. Um <laughs> rude. Right? Uh and then the man, the myth, the mustached legend, original Ned himself oh, shows dear. up in Eden Valley at the local pub one night. Whenever Alba sees him in town, however, he seems kind of vaguely annoyed and scared in equal measures. Can't really tell if that's supposed to be an ominous warning for the fate of the world or something else, so. Oh, well. Interesting. Christmas uh, comes because this is also a Christmas book because, of course, it fucking is.
0: What? <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the most wild book. Of I've... course, we're in Australia, so it's in the middle of summer, too. Mm-hmm. So,
1: Christmas comes with a breakfast-for-dinner tradition among the friends on Christmas Eve. Some sort of tension lingering between Grady and Daniel. I wonder what that's about. Oh dear. Weird. On Christmas, Alba and Grady's families, which is basically just them and their moms, uh, spend it together, with the two of them disappearing into Alba's room to exchange really, really cute gifts, uh, like, personalized, like, he gets her this really fancy comic book art book, she gets him all this different stuff that has to do with Sherlock Holmes and cuting a little rubber ducky with the, like, deerstalker hat on it, and it's so cute, and you're like, Guys! You're in love with each other. Please see it. (laughs) Of course, things turn sour because we can't have nice things in this house. (laughs) They get into an argument over Alba's waffling over what she's going to do in the future, with Grady wanting to leave, and neither of them really quite sure what being apart would mean for their friendship. I mean, they've grown up together since they were literal babies they've never really been apart for more than like a week at a time so you know it's a little bit codependent when you think about it but also like it's fair enough someone you've grown up with your entire life and suddenly you're faced with the prospect of being separated for a really long time it's gonna stress me the fuck out and i'm not even in that situation
0: yeah that's why i refuse to move halfway across the country from my parents yeah
1: uh so Then we get this kind of heart-stoppingly cute moment when they wrap up the fight for now. Like, you can tell they're still upset with each other, but they, like, wrap it up. And Grady kisses Alba on the cheek, and literally she describes the feeling as lingering with her after he leaves. So, girl, if you don't fucking realize that you are in love with this young man... Now, personally, I'm more accepting of friends to lovers when it's part of the bigger arc of enemies to friends to lovers, (laughs) but Alba's obliviousness to her feelings and Grady's obvious feelings for her, it's so infuriating and I love it. Also, quick side note, I don't know if any, well, this is going to be coming out in December, so this is like two months late. This is
0: actually going to be coming out on Christmas, I think
1: so hey it's christmas <laughs> in the book i knew it for a reason i didn't um but this is coming out two months after we record it anyways in october i don't know if anyone on book talk is going to remember this but there was this person going around being like i see all these books on book talk and people recommending them it's like uh, it's so good eminence to lovers and i'm like wow this is a garbage book i can tell you don't read the classics and then they kept doubling down and doing all this bullshit of like no you just don't have the intelligence to read the classics. Guys, I was just joking. Don't tone police me. And it's just all this bullshit. So um, if for whatever reason this podcast finds that person, and I'm pretty sure part of their username was JC, JC, fuck you. Um, anyways, moving back on to I my- I
0: understood none of that and I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, it was an infuriating week on Book Talk. I will tell you that right now
0: um so
1: even with alba being so oblivious she doesn't seem to connect the dots even when he gets drunk one night at a rave in the valley and calls her my beautiful alba like really (sighs) are you dumb are you dumb (sighs) like a certain amount of obliviousness for plot okay but like it starts to get more annoying than it is cute, and I yeah. don't know how I feel about it. Uh, and while she is aware that Daniel is flirting with her, it's really because he's only so fucking obvious about it that it starts to seem sketchy. Uh, not to Alba. I'm the suspicious one. <laughs> I was sitting there like, I can't tell exactly what's off about it, but I know something is. I'm also 100% biased because I can't stand Daniel, which we'll have further proof towards the end of the review. Uh, And despite how funny everyone thought the apocalyptic predictions were earlier, the closer that we get to the end of all things, the less funny it seems to everybody in town. But Alba is undeniably scared of both options when it comes down to it. Either the world is going to end and she'll lose everyone or the world spins on to allow her friends to move away and she loses everyone. Either way, she, she loses everyone. She's just alone, and that's something that she's always feared. Grady begins pulling away after they have more arguments over the future, and Alba can't stand the uncertainty, so she does something a little bit reckless. Oh, dear. Um, something she normally would never consider because of what happened to her dad. She goes to their friend Eddie and asks him to take her on one of the dirt bikes around Eden Valley. You know... Her dad died in a motorcycle crash and even the sound of one freaks her the fuck out. And then she's like, ha, the world's ending. I'm gonna go ride a dirt bike, cause who cares? Um Wow. <laughs> yep, and she goes and has a breakdown, but it's kind of a good one if you can have a good breakdown. It's a healing breakdown. Yes, yeah, happened. She has like uncontrollable laughter and tears from both like the uncontrollable laughter, but also just emotions. So I, it, I think it allowed her to release things she'd been holding on to her entire life, which, good for her. I'm glad that, you know, she had the ability to process it, because so many people do not process their trauma at all. True that. And remember how I said how I really hate Daniel? Um, well, his Christmas present to Alba, which he delivers late, by the way, mm-hmm. late, um, has several pieces, and some of them are kind of nice, but Uh, I'm really only concerned about one of them because his present also includes a diet book. What? A fucking diet book. What? And yes, they both grew up as the plus-size kids, and if he wanted to lose weight using that book, then you know what? That's fine for him. Everybody has different plans and goals in life, and it's okay, whatever. But to assume anything about Alba and give her the book and then to say it was the one thing they had in common growing up (laughs) when i tell you i almost wanted to jump through the book and punch him in the face but as it turns out someone else takes care of that for me or at least i mean tries to when Grady finds the book sitting on Alba's desk and hears who it came from, he storms out and we later find out that he tried to knock Daniel the fuck out nice. in his, at his house.
0: As, as a plus-size girl who has finally given up the fact that, you know, dyes don't work for me. Same. I am, this is my size. This is who I am. Nothing short of drastic surgery is going to change this. I want to punch him too and I've never even read the book.
1: It's it was infuriating. So like so now you know the when I was like ah I don't like him I'm biased. Now you know fucking why. It's just and again I need I feel like I need to reassure listeners. If you are at a point in your life where you want to like change a, and get into a different workout routine, change like the kinds of foods you eat. If you want to do something for you and you want to do something like that so you can feel better, stronger more confident, then that is totally fine. And yeah. I would, we would support you oh, yeah, in 100%. that, but you don't get to make that choice for other people. No. You don't get to make those assumptions. And that's where Daniel fucked up. Um, and I felt really vindicated when I found out that Grady tried to punch him, even though Daniel's manager knocked him out before he could. Oh dear. Um, Because, you know, fuck toxic diet culture. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, there's still tension between Alba and Grady. And yes, the world might end. But I don't think I can really say anything more about the ending in case you readers decide to actually, you know, read the book. I will say, growing up in a highly conservative religious home, I heard all sorts of things about the end of days. Yeah.
0: Tell me about it. Right?
1: God, the religious (laughs) trauma. So how this action from this political leader meant that the world was going to end with the Revelation times at that exact moment and that the rapture was nigh. And yet, none of those predictions came true because they were based on foundless claims and fear-mongering. Something to think about for this book. Yeah. So, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed reading this and I felt transported back to the library in my high school. That's kind of the fun thing about books. They're like time capsules preserving a younger different version of yourself between the pages until you decide to crack them open again yeah so definitely go read the incredible adventures of cinnamon girl by melissa keel you will have a fabulous time Mm, all right
0: okay so this uh, episode i'm going to be talking about define normal by julianne peters and my notes currently say read back of books so i'm going to do that
1: nice (laughs)
0: uh Just, I want to say, as a beginning to this, this book was written in 2000, so some of the language used is not very PC for 2022, Um, but we will get there when we get there. Can a quote-unquote normal person trust a psycho-freaky, whacked-out punker? Overachiever Antonia is eager to participate in the new peer counseling program at school until she learns the person she's supposed to counsel is Jasmine Luther. Jazz is anything but Antonia's peer. She's a punker, a druggie, a gang hanger. But as their peer counseling sessions progress, Antonia and Jazz discover they have more in common than they could ever have imagined. When Antonia's life begins to unravel, she fears Jasmine Luther may be her only lifeline. Yeah. So that's the back of that book. Uh, Now, dear listeners and Lindsay... I had been wanting to reread this book for a long while, but I erroneously thought I owned a copy. Uh, Every time I walked past the P section in the teen area of my local secondhand bookstore, because your girl collects Tamra Pierce covers, uh, I'd see the spine and go, oh, I should reread that book. But I never did it until I went to check my shelves for it for this episode, and it wasn't there. Oh,
1: yeah, that's why we had to kind of put off recording this one, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, so I went to my bookstore, and shock and awe, there—the one time that I'm there and I want the book, it's not there. Oh, no. So even bigger problem: not only can I not remember the author, other than it was a woman whose last name may or may not have started with a P, I could barely remember the—I—I I, I couldn't remember the title. Uh, I could barely recall the plot, the cover, and maybe the spine of the book. I began to panic. Uh, Because the only person I know for a fact that had the book uh, that I now desperately need to reread for this episode uh, was the person who introduced me to it, uh, a former friend that I no longer speak to. Ah, shit. (laughs) I drove to three separate bookstores and no one had any idea what I was going on about. I posted online on Reddit, hoping for an answer. Uh, five- you went to the dark place? I went to the dark place. You went to the elephant graveyard? Okay, so Reddit's not as bad as Twitter now that asshole has bought it. But also did-
1: ancient orange is back. Oh dear. Yeah. Anyways, back to- <laughs> back <laughs> but back anyway, to the like, search for the book.
0: I was searching high and low for this book. 5 days go by and I was ever more frantic in a last-ditch effort, I went to my local library branch, 15 minutes to close. So its they close at 6. It is 5.45. Oh, gosh. I apologized to the two wonderful ladies at the counter and explained the situation because I was being that person. You know, walk in, say, I don't remember the title, but the cover was blue. Yeah, we
1: joked about that all the time when we worked at a bookstore.
0: Which is why I apologized preemptively. You're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gave them all the same info that I'd given everyone else. Female author, last name possibly starting with a P, about two high schoolish girls, a goody two-shoes with straight hair on the cover in blue, and a goth chick with shaggy hair in pink, possibly split on a diagonal. Uh, One of the girls had to care for her younger sibling, or possibly siblings, and I thought it was the goody two-shoes. The spine had the same photos on it, and oh, it had to have been published before 2009, because that was when I first read it. That was it. That was all the information I had on this book. Okay. Took me about 10 minutes. So it is now five minutes to close at the library. And I say, you know what? We're good. It's totally, you know, and they're like, no, no, no. We'll take your information. We'll talk to the other librarians and we'll see if anyone comes up with an answer. Because librarians are angels and deserve the world. Well, we will see more evidence of that. They said they'd think about it i thanked them and then left as they closed i hope that maybe they get back to me but i never expected the response i got i wasn't five minutes down the road so i am actively driving and have to pull over uh when one of the librarians called me back we were talking about it after you left she said and looking online we think that early editions of defined normal by julianne peters looks a lot like you were describing God, librarians are geniuses. (laughs) After hearing the title and author, I agreed. I was fairly certain they were right. But she wasn't done. Unfortunately, none of the libraries in our system have a copy, she said. But a neighboring city has it. We could get it on interlibrary loan for you. But looking at prices, you're probably better off buying a copy. Mm. I agreed that purchasing the book had indeed been my goal, thanked him profusely, and then hung up. Five days of fruitless searching and two amazing librarians figure it out in five minutes. I, librarians are superheroes, y'all.
1: They are the backbone of society. Yes. And I am biased because I work with librarians.
0: Yes. And I want to work with them again. But uh, I immediately ordered a copy on Thrift Books and accidentally sent it to my old address, which is another story for another time. Uh, and I had it within a week. Uh, this book is the reason that I actually put I forgot it on this Encyclopedia. Like, because I knew there were books that I had forgotten that I wanted to, you know, read about again. I just didn't expect it to necessarily be forgotten that much. Anyway, without further ado, here it is. Okay. <laughs> Define Normal opens with Antonia attending her first peer counseling session and being stunned at who's there. Jazz Luther, apparent queen of what we would now call the emo kids. Again, This book was originally published in 2000 so some of the terminology is a little dated uh and would now be considered very offensive i've adjusted for this in the summary and review but reader beware it's a product of its time yeah how old were you in 2000 lindsay i was one years old yes okay anyway jazz is everything antonia is not loud and anti-authoritarian and unique one of the first things she does is show Antonia her tattoo, a real one, despite being 14. Oh, Jesus. She's lucky she didn't get an infection from whoever gave it to oh, no, her, she went, She all. went to a piercing parlor because she got a piercing and they gave her a free tattoo with it. That would never fucking happen. It did in 2000. Jesus Christ. Antonia just wants to graduate as fast as she can because she's absolutely sick of her life. Her mom spends most of her time in bed, mourning her father, and Antonia is basically a mom to her two younger brothers. Her sort of their mom has to use Antonia's college money to pay the bills, and she just wants to be a kid, not a kid and a parent in one, and I don't blame her. Parentification sucks. Yeah. I can't even. The school counselor won't let Antonia quit the peer counseling program, and she can't afford to. She needs extracurriculars on her college resume to graduate early, and this one meets during school. She's had to quit all of her after-school ones to take care of her brothers. And can I just say that at 30 and having done this adulting thing on my own for a bit, I have no fucking clue how Antonia managed to do it. I can barely keep myself, my cat, and a couple plants alive. I have no idea how I could do all of this plus taking care of three other people. None. Yeah jazz complains constantly about her parents and wishes she could have at least one of antonia's little brothers antonia tells her she'd gladly swap given what she's heard of jazz's parents they sound like heaven to her we also start to see something antonia can't be bad at anything she can't that would be failure and she can't allow herself to fail Okay. yeah lots of really heavy stuff in this during their counseling sessions antonia tries over and over to get Jazz to tell her more about herself, but Jazz keeps turning the questions back on Antonia, who refuses to answer until she does. Jazz actually helps her? In her own special way, of course, like giving Antonia lipstick that'll only come off with turpentine. Antonia also manages to deftly avoid answering any questions about what her parents actually do. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on the turpentine. Yeah, like I said, 2000, it was a weird time. I say that as if i was not in third grade <laughs> during one session uh jazz asks antonia the one thing she regrets never doing and antonia says not learning to swim jazz invites her over to teach her and when antonia gets there she realizes that jazz might hate her parents but they are rich rich indoor pool and baby grand piano rich Jesus. jazz teaches antonia the basics of floating and even here antonia refuses to fail even after nearly drowning. Jazz's mom meets Antonia and falls in love with her immediately and then invites her out to dinner, which she accepts. But when they take her home, the car is gone, and so are Antonia's mother and brothers. When her little brother Michael finally calls, Antonia only has Jazz to turn to. Her family is all the way out by the airport, the buses have stopped, and she needs someone who can drive. Jazz brings her mother. Why is she at the airport? Uh, Because she doesn't like driving, and she drove until she couldn't drive anymore, and then checked into a hotel and checked out mentally. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Luther lets the kids stay with them for a couple days, getting Antonia's mother settled in a hospital after her breakdown, but then has to call a social worker. Exactly the thing Antonia and her brothers were the most worried about. Before the social worker comes, however, Antonia figures out Jazz's big secret, the one she keeps from all her punk friends. She's an extremely gifted classical pianist, like Juilliard Good. Unfortunately, almost as soon as Antonia discovers this, she and her brothers are sent to foster care. Thankfully, they're able to be kept together. The boys love it, but Antonia is miserable, even more miserable than before. At least before she was so busy she couldn't mope. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I'm being attacked right now. (laughs) After an unsuccessful visit to her mom in the hospital, the social worker drops a bomb on all of us. Antonia's dad isn't dead, and they've located him. Turns out he left because he couldn't handle her mother's depressive episodes anymore. Fuck that. Jazz quits piano in a fit of pique over the outfit her mom wanted her to wear, and Antonia can see it slowly killing her not to play. So she sets up that during their counseling time, they can use the piano in the auditorium. Then the school counselor accidentally reveals that he had Jazz undercover counseling Antonia. He and some of her teachers were worried, but he knew that Antonia would shut down if he asked her about it. So while Antonia was counseling Jazz, that part wasn't a lie. Jazz was also counseling Antonia. (laughs) And she didn't tell Antonia. I could see that coming from the beginning. Uh, Yeah, kind of. But when you're just reading it the first time and not my review, you're actually like reading the book. Yeah. It's kind of layered in there. Okay. (laughs) This is compounded by Jazz's secret piano playing being revealed to her goth friends. The one thing she swore Antonia to secrecy on. And now it's out. The two girls rapidly becoming best friends are torn apart. And that is where I'm going to leave you as far as the summary. (laughs)
1: Ha <laughs> you're taking a page out of my book and I
0: love it! But it's really short, you know, like it would take you maybe an hour, maybe two to read this. It's not, it's not a long book. There's not much I could really, like, prevaricate on. <laughs> prevaricate, there's a $5 word. Yeah, uh, sorry. I've been uh, reviewing Charles Dickens for the Christmas episode, so my vocabulary is like, stuck in Victorian England right now and I apologize to everyone.
1: I've been reading Pirates of the Caribbean fan fiction and Peaky Blinders fan fiction so I don't know what that says about me. Um, oh well I've also
0: been interspersing Dickens with Clintasha fan fiction but as always now we're getting more off topic. Um, So I read this book before I realized that I was bisexual and then when I was still talking to the friend, she's like, oh, yeah, no, they're gay. And I was like, what? She said, yeah, the author's gay. She wrote them as gay. And I'm like, what? Now, granted, it's 2000 that this book is published. Mm-hmm. So this is back when gay is still used as a slur all the time in high school. You know, there was that there was that push on the PSA as of. A-
1: why would you like don't say gay like like yeah with hillary duff in that one you remember that not a clue anyways the listeners will know that was iconic for gen z um
0: but there there was so much and it was it was just even later when i was in high school and reading this book there was still a lot of shit against it so it's very heavily veiled So you can read this as, oh, they're becoming best friends, or you can read it as they're falling in love, which I think is what the author intended. But who knows? I haven't asked Julianne Peters. Okay. So on that note. (laughs) Time for everyone's favorite segment of the show. The Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia.
1: Spin that thing.
0: movie sucked oh i'm ready are you sure oh i'm ready because i have nothing
1: (laughs) have fun i'm ready (laughs) oh i shouldn't have laughed (laughs) sorry it's okay
0: (laughs) don't forget to look us up on social media we have a facebook tiktok tumblr and Instagram. Those are all at Library Fugitives.
1: We also have an email, which is library fugitives podcast at
0: gmail.com. And that's just for listener requests, questions you may have, or just to talk to us. Yeah. So remember, y'all, stay safe in the stacks out there. Bye! Bye.